Well, if you could turn with me, we're going to look at three, chap- three, three books as we begin to open. Can you go to Matthew chapter 28 and find verse 19? Matthew 28, 19. And when you get there, just shout at me and say, I got it. We'll start off today. Matthew 28, 19, good. Some of you are finding it. Matthew is the first gospel recorded in the New Testament, the gospel according to Matthew, who is named Levi. Matthew 28, 19, you can follow along as I read aloud. Jesus has already been buried. He has already risen from the dead. And now in his glorified state, he is getting ready to take off. And he tells his disciples this, go therefore and make disciples. Everyone say, make disciples. Of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Say, make disciples. Now turn with me to the next gospel, the gospel according to Mark. We know him as John Mark, who traveled with Paul and Barnabas for a while. And then Paul restored him back to the ministry. I want you to go to Mark 16. Again, we're going to read Jesus, what we call the Great Commission here. And I want you to go to verse 16. Actually, I'm sorry, verse 15. Mark 16, 15. And when you're there, just shout at me and say, I got it. Jesus says, go. Everyone say, go. Go. Into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Everyone say, preach. Preach. Turn with me to the book of Luke now. We're going to wrap up in the synoptic gospels. They're all very similar in their approach towards Jesus, his life, his death, burial, resurrection, and how they cover those accounts. Let's go to Luke. I want you to go to chapter 24 and verse 46. And when you're there, just shout at me and say, I got it. Jesus says, thus it is written and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. I want to talk today about preaching the gospel, about bringing the gospel. You see, one of the tragedies in the church, and even in how some of us deliver the message of Christ today, is that we have reduced down the gospel of Jesus to a message about heaven or hell. And we, in our own heart, because we don't want to see people suffer, we have good intentions, we're well-intended, we don't want to see people suffer. But I want to argue with you this morning or present to you today that the gospel is not just that Jesus came to redeem you from hell. The gospel is indeed, and in fact, so much more. You know, and sometimes we're bringing this message, even when we talk to our friends or some of us, we don't feel like we're equipped to preach the gospel, but every single one of us, what, what Jesus is saying here, he's not just talking to the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastor teachers. He's not just talking to them. He's talking to all of his disciples. You know, we need to get rid of that idea that we bring people to church so that the pastor can get them saved. No, you are a disciple of Jesus and you have the same authority to go out into your system and to go out into your world and to your sphere of influence to bring the gospel. But sometimes we struggle because we say, oh, I really don't, I don't want this person to go to hell. I don't want these people to go to hell, but I don't know how to deliver the gospel. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to communicate to them. We're going to look at some effective ways of doing that this morning as we talk about what the true gospel actually is. 
Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven and all of its power to earth for you and for me. I want to take a look at a few scriptures this morning. And before we do that, I just want to, I want to present this to you. Because see, when we present just this decision of heaven and hell, when we present the gospel message as we want you to choose Jesus so that you don't have to suffer eternity in hell, we're actually creating three problems that exist in the church today. And the first problem is that we're like selling life insurance when we do that. Nobody wants life insurance. They buy it because they have to. And when we deliver this message of choose heaven, I don't want you to suffer, so choose heaven and avoid hell. When we bring that as the whole gospel, then we're just encouraging people to make a decision. But that decision is so far off out there. How many times have we seen people respond to an altar call? We've seen people respond to a decision. Maybe some friends and family members, you have seen them respond. They've made a decision for Christ, but they have fallen off. They've slunk back into old ways. Things, bad habits have come up. One of the reasons may be that they think, hey, listen, I've got my insurance. What do you do with your life insurance? You put it in a folder and you tuck it away and you never look at it. And nobody in this room is excited about their life insurance because in order for your life insurance to be effective, you have to be dead. And it doesn't even count for you. It goes to your family. The message of the gospel is not life insurance of a kingdom somewhere out there. The message and the truth of the gospel, the true gospel is that heaven has come to earth. Yes, God wants you saved. Yes, God has a home for you in heaven. But guess what? John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and life more abundant. Where? Up there in heaven someday? No, right here, right now on this earth. That is the true message of the gospel. The first problem when we just present heaven and hell to people is that we're like selling them life insurance. The second problem that rises up as a result of that is where unfortunately many of the churches today and that message produces weak Christians. Because see, if I've got my life insurance tucked away, I'm good, right? I can just sit back, relax. It is not about falling back into sin and living in sin. It's about living in the power and the freedom that Christ made available to you and to me. We don't want people just to be comfortable that they have life insurance and they'll get to heaven someday. What a sad reality. That means everything that happens here on this earth, you just have to suffer and deal with. No, I believe that Paul says that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And so that we should be living above that. We're not selling life insurance. We're not giving you a promise of a future someday. We're giving you the promise of the kingdom right here on this earth right now. We don't have to be weak Christians. Jesus didn't say, go out and make converts, did he? Go out and get people to make a decision. Sometimes our thinking is we've got to get people to make this decision and we're well-intended. We don't want to see people suffer. But we're not out there trying to make converts. We're not out there trying to proselytize, as people call it. That's what the world does. Preaching the good news of the kingdom is preaching the truth about what God has done for us what he has provided for us in Christ as the payment for our sin. The third and the biggest problem and the biggest danger about just preaching heaven and hell or just bringing or boiling down the gospel message to a decision about heaven and hell, this is the most dangerous of all three. 
And really what it's doing is producing the idea that the kingdom of God is some distant kingdom that's out there. And that could not be more anti-gospel. Jesus is called Emmanuel. Emmanuel means what? God with us. And the secret of the kingdom of God is that heaven has gone bankrupt to pay for what the earth needed. The secret of the kingdom of God, the truth of the gospel, is that God gave up all for you and for me. And so when I begin to see that, I'm not going to have to struggle to go and share the good news with people on the street or in my house or on my neighborhood, on my block, in my school or in my workplace because it's not just not wanting to see them suffer. It's wanting to see them live free from all the oppression of the enemy right here on this earth. Wanting to see them healed, set free and delivered. We're going to take a look at what it actually means to be saved. Let's check out a couple scriptures today as we talk about what the true gospel message is. Go to Luke chapter 4. Paul says to the Galatians, there is only one gospel. And that's true. If we have taught or preached anything else, it's not the gospel of the kingdom. Luke chapter 4. Now, Jesus has already been anointed. He has already gone through the temptation in the wilderness. He has already been baptized. The Spirit has already come upon him and dwelling within him. And in verse 16 of Luke 4, let's read together. So he came to Nazareth, where where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now I want to pause right there because if you're ever wondering what is actually the gospel, these four or five lines right here are the whole of the gospel. Jesus literally preaches the whole reason for his existence right here in these passages. But I want to stop for a minute and I want to ask you who are the poor? Did the message of Jesus, does the gospel of Jesus just for the poor who are out there, just for the people who don't have a financial status? Well, you could actually find out what the poor actually means when you look at Matthew chapter 5 because Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What Jesus is communicating here, the Jews thought that they were justified by the law. And so they thought that they were already righteous. And so they thought that they already had a place with God. Jesus said, I have come for those who realize they are so bankrupt spiritually, they can't do anything for themselves. Man, isn't that a good place? It doesn't matter if you have financial status or no financial status. If you find yourself bankrupt spiritually, you have no idea how to live this life. The gospel of Jesus is for you. That's good to know. I came to preach the gospel to the poor, for he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, or one translation says, heal, period, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Man, this is so good. I want to share one other thing with you as we talk about the true gospel. Can you go with me to the book of Romans? Romans 1.16, a scripture that many of you are familiar with. Romans is just after the book of Acts. Paul has written this letter to the church at Rome. Romans 1.16, when you're there, just shout at me and say, I got it. it. 
Romans 1.16, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and for the Greek. You know, you can boil down the gospel message to this, God's power to save and make righteous. The gospel message that you and I are bringing is not just choose Christ so you don't have to suffer in hell. No, the gospel message is that God has brought the power to save and to make righteous. We can break down that gospel in three major truths. Number one, the kingdom of God has come to earth in the person of Jesus. You see, We've got to kind of travel around the world to discover how important this is. Because the idea that a God would empty himself of his righteousness and come down to a people who have forsaken him is absolutely outlandish. And this is the secret and the key to our gospel. This is what makes it so powerful. That God, who is all-powerful, decided not to, even though he would have been right, decided not to destroy the earth, but to to give up his, self, his son for the sake of the earth, to redeem and pay the purchase price back. That is the beauty of the kingdom. Heaven has come to earth. The second truth that we can break the gospel message down to is that Jesus came to heal. Jesus came to recover. Jesus came to restore. And Jesus came to deliver. Not just 2,000 years ago and not just someday when we all get to hear. No, right now, here, on this earth, for you, for me, for everyone out there in this world. Christ has come. The kingdom of God has been brought near. The third truth that we can break down this gospel message to is that Jesus came to bring God's favor to all men. Jesus said that he came to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Let's walk this out a little bit. If you would go with me to the book of Mark. God's kingdom has come near and it has come in the person of Jesus. Jesus and John the Baptist preached the same message. Mark chapter 1 verse 15. Jesus echoes the same words of John the Baptist who you can find in Matthew. Mark 1 15. When you're there, just shout at me and say, I got it. Let's go back up to verse 14. It says, Now after John, that's John the Baptist, was put into prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now that's going to be so important because he's about to preach, he's about to show you what the gospel actually is. Here is the beginning of the gospel. The time is fulfilled. Oh, man, when you read the prophets of the Old Testament, they talk about the appointed time. They talk about an acceptable, acceptable time where God will send his Messiah. He will send his anointed one. And here's what he's saying in verse 15. The time is now fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That term at hand, you know, this is where you have to apply a little bit more Bible study. You've got to pull out your Strong's Concordance. Anyone still have a Strong's Concordance, okay? Well, you don't need that today. You can pull out a Blue Letter Bible app on your phone or you can go to blueletterbible.com. Great resource. But when you look up that phrase at hand, it's a beautiful phrase. If you just read it the way it is, you say, okay, the kingdom of God is at hand. When I used to read that, it sounded, my mind interpreted that as the kingdom of God is close, it's coming. But see, that's a little short-sighted because what it's actually saying is the kingdom of God has drawn near. The kingdom of God has drawn near. 
Jesus is beginning to show that God himself will empty himself of who he is to pay that purchase price to redeem everybody back. And the beginning of the message of Jesus, the only true gospel, is that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes should not perish but have everlasting life. The kingdom of God has drawn near. It's interesting. Can you check out a few scriptures with me? Go over one book to the book of Matthew chapter 13. Because this is, you know, when you, beginning, when you begin to look at the gospel for what it actually is, you begin to read your scriptures differently. So many of us, and, and I not so much because I, I didn't have a religious background, but so many of us have grown up in a religious culture. And we come to Christ and we think our relationship with God is so much about what we can do for him. And, and you know, sometimes... In Christian culture, we continue to teach that. If you're born again, okay, now you've gotten that. Now you need to get to the next step. And this is how you ought to conduct yourself. And this is how you ought to dress. And this is how you ought to act. Well, if you're really saved, this is what you actually do. But see, that's religion. And that's the law. And what God has done, the reason why people hated Jesus was because he, had, he was fulfilling the law in himself so he wasn't preaching law to people. He wasn't preaching righteousness by works and acts of the law. He was preaching righteousness by one thing, the only thing that ever made man righteous, the same thing that made Abraham righteous, which was faith. You read the book of Galatians and Paul says, what, what is wrong with you people? Have you who begun in the spirit now think you're going to return to the law and somehow make yourself righteous? There is nothing that I can do to add to the gospel of Jesus. All I can do is simply believe that he has done it for me and I will receive it. By the works of the law, no flesh will ever be justified. The only reason that God instituted the law was that sin began to abound and transgression was getting Getting so great. So until the time would be fulfilled where Christ would come, the Messiah, the anointed one, and God would pay the price once and for all, he had to govern his people by the law. But they were never made righteous by the law. Righteousness was always from Abraham all the way till now was always through faith in God, through faith that God has done it. For Abraham, it was faith in God. For you and me, it's faith in Christ and what he completed on that cross. That's the good news of the message. When I go out saying, hey, man, you know, you better choose Jesus or you're going to hell. That, that does not sound like good news. That's scary. And in fact, people, well, I'm already going to hell. I don't even care. Well, I just lost you. I just lost you. Man, what's going on in your life? Oh, your back doesn't work? Oh, I got a solution for that. His name is Jesus. Bam. These signs will follow them that believe that they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. How? By, by Kurt? By you? No! By Christ alone. We are his ambassadors to the earth. It's us. Oh, what's wrong? You're addicted to something? I got a solution for that. His name is Jesus. Bam! Jesus can deliver you from whatever the power is that you're under right now. This is the good news that we get to bring to people, not the bad news that we have to bring to people, that if they don't accept Jesus, they're going to hell. People already know they're going to hell. We got to tell them this good news. Jesus Christ came to set the captive free, and he is here for you. Oh, okay, what, do I, what must I do to be saved? Repent and believe on the name of the Lord Jesus. That is it, man. Let's stop, let's stop adding to the gospel. Yeah. 
and preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Okay. Whew. All right. Matthew chapter 13. My whole understanding of Christian culture is changing and I'm becoming free. You seen pastor up here lately? It's like, who is this guy? It's just, it's just uh, God is just doing an amazing work in his life. And, and, and I'm also in that time. It's like, whoa, I have read the scriptures so religiously. I read the scripture and I instantly internalize that as law. This is what I got to do. Jesus says, if I love him, I got to keep his commandments. Well, let's read it correctly. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. In other words, by loving me, you'll have the power to keep my commandments. Let's get out from under this work. Let the church be free so everyone in the world can be free. Jesus Christ has come to set us free. Let's keep reading. Matthew chapter 13. Man, we're going to take a look at two parables here. Matthew 13, verse 44. Okay. This is called the parable of the hidden treasure. Again, now we're going to read just two. But when you get home today, take a look at all the parables surrounding this one parable, these two parables, because it's going to give you an idea. Because what I'm going to say to you, don't take at my word, take it home, make sure it's true. Isn't that what we're always supposed to do with the message that is preached? That's how we were raised. Make sure it's true. Does it line up with the word? So read it contextually when you get home. Find out what I'm saying is make, make sure it's true. Matthew 13, 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. Now, young Kurt used to interpret that as, okay, the kingdom of God is such a great, valuable thing that I've got to be willing to sell everything for the sake of the gospel. I've got to be willing to lay it all down for Christ. And I'm not saying that that's not true. Okay, but just follow me because this is the way that I used to read this. Okay, the kingdom of God is so amazing and so powerful that I should be willing to sell all my possessions for the sake of this one treasure. Let's keep reading. Verse 45. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who when he had found the one pearl of great price went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, young Kurt would interpret this as the kingdom of God is that precious pearl. I've got to sell everything for the kingdom of God. Or figuratively, I've got to be willing to lay it all down. But when you actually look at the context of what Jesus is saying here, he's talking about himself and the Father. And the treasure that's hidden in the field is you and me. It's the lost people. See, we often read the scripture from our perspective. But Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like this. A man who found great treasure in a field and went and sold all that he had so that he could possess that field. Oh, I'm sorry, because you know, you know what that kind of sounds like? That kind of sounds like, oh, the gospel, right? God saw great treasure in earthen vessels, right? And so he was willing to bankrupt heaven through Jesus on the cross to purchase this earth which had totally forsaken him. 
the pearl. He's now, now you're starting to be like, oh man, this is heresy. Where's my tomato? No. Go home, read the context of the scripture. Jesus is referring to all the parables preceding this. Jesus is referring to his father who sowed in the field of the earth and at the right time would reap. Jesus is trying to communicate to you. You need to understand that heaven has come to earth. You need to understand that the purchase price, Jesus himself is called in John, the propitiation, which is the price paid in full. Nothing missing, nothing needing to be added. Jesus is the purchase price. God was willing to bankrupt heaven and make heaven come near to earth. Our mind has a hard time computing this because we keep ourselves so under the law. We think that we're going to somehow justify ourselves, or we think so low of ourselves that God couldn't possibly find treasure in this earthen vessel. God couldn't possibly, okay, I'm sure he loves the world, but he couldn't love me. I betrayed him. Oh, well, all you have to do is read Romans because it says that Christ died for the ungodly, those who hated him, those who spit in his face, those who cursed him to his face. That's who Christ died for. Jesus said, I didn't come to call the righteous, but the sinners, the sinners. The first truth that we need to bring in this gospel message is that heaven went bankrupt for you and for me. Wow. There's power in that right there. God was willing to give up all for our sake. Uh, We talked about the poor in spirit, those who have no possible way to make themselves righteous. The second point that we have here in the truth of the gospel is that Jesus came to heal to recover, to restore, and to deliver. And the good news that we have got to bring people is that Jesus still heals. Jesus still restores. Jesus still recovers, and he still delivers. And you know, I know some of you went out to that conference a couple weeks ago with Todd White, and this is the reason that his ministry is so effective is because we all need some brainwashing. And I don't mean brainwashing in the negative. I mean, we need our minds cleansed. We need our minds renewed to the truth of, our, of, of God's word. And again, when we interpret that, we interpret that as back under the law. We've got to somehow make ourselves righteous enough to go out there and preach the good news to people. No, we just need to know where we stand with God. We just need to know that we're already righteous in Christ. We're already there. We just need to have faith and boldness to step out and bring it to people. And it starts in our own little circuit, our own little circle, our own little house, our own little street. You know what? There's just so many times. Now, listen, we can't get hung up. We're going to talk about healing. We're going to talk about recovery, restoration, and deliverance. But we can't get hung up on the times we don't see it happen, okay? So many of us shut down because we prayed and we didn't see something happen. Okay, here's the deal. Y'all know Michael Jordan, right? Okay, arguably one of the greatest basketball players of all time. And yet if you look at his record, not so much. Not so much. But Michael Jordan, even as a kid, would practice for 10 hours a day. Why? Because he saw something. He saw that he could achieve something. And we need to take our gospel the very same way. Don't get hung up on the times where you pray and you don't see. 
Just keep practicing. Just keep practicing. Because God's word is true and it always works. Don't get hung up on why it didn't work this time. And don't be handcuffed by it why it didn't work this time. Just keep doing it. Now, you all know the prompting. If you're born again in this room, you know the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And the more you get in sync with the Holy Spirit, the more you're going to experience that. We had a new neighbor move in uh, a couple years ago. And uh, the very second day I saw him, he had this cast on. And the cast was covered with like this cloth, like an ace bandage. And I just walked up to him and I was like, hey, welcome to the neighborhood. You know, I'm thinking I'm going to get away with just welcome to the neighborhood. You know, we're so glad that you're here. But all of a sudden, man, I got eyes and I can see. And I can see that this dude is seriously hurt. And I'm like, oh, man, really? I just want to welcome him. He's going to think I'm a weirdo. But so I'm like, all right, man, you know, is it okay? I can see clearly that you, you've really hurt yourself. Can I pray for you? He's like, yeah, absolutely. What happened was a piece of glass, whether it was a, a, a porcelain plate or what, it went through in between the knuckle, pierced, cut in half the tendon or whatever it is that's in there. I have no idea. You know, biology wasn't number one for me, but it just broke a bunch of things inside here. And uh, he had to have this thing all bandaged up in, until it healed. And so I laid hands on him and I spoke life to that hand. Okay practicing what we know is true, practicing what we know we have the right to, not because we've earned it, but because we are where? In right standing with God. That's righteousness, okay? I'm practicing the kingdom of heaven. That's what Jesus told us to do, okay? So a week later, I just see this guy driving down the street, and he just holds his hand out the window, (laughs) nothing on it. And I'm just like, dude, that's great. It's awesome. Praise God. It's like, hey, it worked. It worked. That's a seed planted for that neighbor right there. And that, that, that's the beauty of the gospel. I didn't have to walk up and be like, oh, man, I know you're new to the neighborhood. Let me tell you how it goes, okay? I'm a Christian. You a Christian? Okay, you need to be a Christian because if not, you're going to hell. Okay, that's going to be really effective, right? But if we demonstrate the gospel, right? Right? If we demonstrate the gospel, and maybe while we're working on our faith for healing and deliverance, maybe while we're, because it's not just the fivefold ministry that's supposed to heal and deliver. Jesus talked to the apostles, okay? I know we think they're all saints and stuff, but if you read their Bible, these dudes were fishermen. Uh, half of the dudes were fishermen. Just think about some of the fishermen that you may know, okay? And some of the ideas that we have about fishermen. Because what people often say is, oh, you swear like a... Tony, I'm not talking about you, man. I'm not talking about you. This has nothing to do with you. (laughs) People often say, oh, you swear or curse like a sailor, okay? So we we got this image in our mind that these dudes are so holy and so righteous. And guess what? They're you and me. If Jesus came to the earth in the 21st century, it'd be some of us. Really would be. It really would be. And so it's not just the fivefold ministry, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher that's supposed to heal, restore, recover, and deliver. It's you. It's me. It's all of us. We have the keys to the kingdom because Jesus gave us the keys to the kingdom. So let's take a look at this a little bit. Go to Matthew chapter 1. I want to talk about what Jesus' name actually means. Matthew 1, verse 21. 
And when you're there, just shout out me and say, I got it. Okay, the angel has now come and preached this message to Mary that she's going to be with child, and he's now confirming it to Joseph, her betrothed husband. And in verse 21, the angel says, And she who is Mary will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Again, when we read this in the English language, we're missing the whole of it. You know, part of, part of the reason maybe we're not as effective in our Christian walk is that we have to do a little more Bible study. We can't just read the word at face value. We have to dig in knowing that the scriptures were written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. We have to dig in a little bit more. And people have really given their lives to make it easy for us. Even like Blue Letter Bible. If you download the Blue Letter Bible app and you just look at that word saves, Jesus will save the people from their sins. That is the Greek word, which is sozo, which we understand is just, okay, Jesus came so he could save you from your sin. Actually, it means to restore to life. It means to make whole. It means to heal from from disease, the saving of Jesus is not just to pluck you and I out of hell, but the saving of Jesus is wholeness to your body, wholeness to your mind, wholeness to your situation. Jesus saves is the second part of the gospel message that we need to bring. And when we see a need, we need to be willing to respond how many needs do we drive by on our way home from church? And this is not, this is not uh, guilt. This is just our spirits being awakened to the truth. The Bible says that oftentimes when Jesus saw a need, he was moved with compassion. Man, if we let go of our compassion, then we're just sitting here growing up in the church, hearing the word, praise the Lord, that was a great word. No, it's our compassion that's going to compel us to preach the gospel to people who are hurting and broken. And you know what? If you step out in faith, you will see God manifest himself and do it through you. It's not just, I really want you to receive Jesus so that you and I can have the promise of heaven someday. That's great, but that's so far out there. How about my life right now? Well, if I receive Jesus, am I still going to be addicted to drugs? If I receive Jesus, is he going to take me out of this abusive situation? If I receive Jesus, is he, is he going to help me with all this addiction, the stuff I can't, I can't break, I can't lose? Oh, well, you know what? Don't be afraid when that happens because that is the gospel. Yes, Jesus heals, Jesus restores, Jesus recovers, and he delivers. We don't have to be afraid. Just do it. Yes, he will. Let me lay hands on you right now. That's what Jesus did, didn't he? Jesus came to heal, to restore, to deliver. Let's take a look at how Peter preached uh, Christ. Uh, go to Acts chapter 10. Peter now has the opportunity. Peter, who thinks it's only that Jesus only came to the Jews, Acts 10 verse 38. Peter now has an opportunity to preach to a man by the name of Cornelius, who we understand is one of the very first converts or one of the very first followers of Christ who was of the world, who was a Gentile, Acts 10, 38. And this is so important because for the Jews, it began to help them realize that Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one, you see, they were looking for God's anointed one. They were looking for Messiah to come. 
They were waiting, but the rest of the world had no idea that he was coming. And so it's awesome to realize that God didn't just bring Messiah to the Jews who knew he was coming. He brought Messiah, God's anointed one, to save and deliver to all man. And in Acts 10, 38, Peter, who's preaching to Cornelius in the house, says about Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. You know, we can't put ourselves into the box of religion, thinking that Jesus did it, the saints did it, but you know what? That's for special people. No, that's for you and for me. We've got to get that thought out of our head. We have the same power. Jesus said, all authority on heaven, in heaven and on earth has been given me. Now you go. And that truth was not just for the disciples, but it was for you and it was for me. Jesus came not only to save, but he came to recover. Take a look at the scripture with me in Colossians chapter 1. Turn to the right. Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Jesus came to recover. Mm, this this is just gets so powerful right here. Colossians 1.13, when you're there, shout out me and say, I got it. He who is Christ has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed or translated us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins. Now let's marry that to Matthew chapter four. Go back to Matthew, the gospel of Matthew chapter four, verse 16. I know I'm kind of sending you all over the place today, but I want you to see a few things. Matthew four sixteen. Jesus is reading from a prophet here or quoting from a prophet. Matthew chapter four, verse 16. If you're there, just shout at me. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. What Jesus came to do was, you know how we read the gospel, Jesus in Luke chapter four says he came to uh, open up the eyes of the blind, recovery of sight to the blind. Jesus came to recover. Jesus wasn't necessarily talking about the physical healing of their eyes. He was talking about the people who because of the oppression of the devil were sitting in darkness. Notice something. They're not standing, they're sitting. Position is so important when you're reading the scripture because people who are sitting have either accomplished everything they needed to accomplish or had given up. The people who are sitting bound in the darkness have seen a great light. How could I not bring this good news to people who are bound up in the darkness because the God of this world has blinded the mind and the eyes of the unbeliever. Jesus came to recover their sight. He came to bring them out of that kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. Jesus still heals. Jesus still restores. Jesus still recovers. And Jesus still delivers. It's the power of the gospel. Number one, the kingdom has come to earth. Number two, Jesus heals, restores, and delivers. And number three, one of the most, if we can grasp this, one of the most powerful truths of the gospel is that in Christ the world has already been accepted. 
I'm going to pause there for a minute and let that sink in. In Christ, the world has already been accepted. Does that mean that God accepts everything that goes on in the earth? No. But it means he has already paid the purchase price so that nobody should have to work to be accepted by God. He already accepted the world. How is that possible, Pastor Kurt? Because go back to the pearl of great price. Go back to the treasure in the field. God bankrupt heaven to pay the purchase price so that the earth and the people in the earth could be accepted. And just so you don't think I'm crazy, go to Ephesians chapter 1. Again, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that God accepts everything on the earth. What I'm saying is the good news of the gospel is that God has already accepted you if you are in the world. Ephesians chapter 1. How is that possible, man? This is the part of the gospel that continues to blow my mind. Again, because we get people saved and we instantly, somehow, not on purpose, get them working under the law. Get them working under works of righteousness so that they can be accepted by God. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me pause for a minute. In Luke chapter 4, we read those verses where Jesus preaches the gospel. And he says that the acceptable year of the Lord has come. What does that mean? It means that God's favor has come to all man. God's favor has come to the earth. And several weeks ago, back in August, when we talked about grace, we understand grace is God's unmerited favor. You see how God could begin to accept the world because he has already paid the price for his grace here on this earth. That's how God can accept the world. Not accept what they're doing. Not accept what we have done. But he has made a way for them to be accepted. And there's nothing by work that they can do to earn that acceptance. Okay, verse, verse uh, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Okay, let that hit you. He already chose us. You see, there's two parts to being accepted by God. God has already fulfilled his part. He has already made a way. We think that somehow God opens up our door in heaven when we make a decision for Christ. No. The sad truth is this. There's a door marked and named for each and every one of us. God's already intending for us to be saved. But the second part, God's already made the way for us to open the door. But the truth is, and the problem lies with the fact that it's our responsibility to open up that door. The world is already accepted. You and I are already accepted, but we have to open the door. We have to walk through. God can't force us to do that. We have to. Let's keep reading. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption. Again, We read this as just the people who are in the body now. But God so loved the world. God so loved the 
everyone has an opportunity. Everyone has a door with their name marked on it. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Christ Jesus in himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Now here it is. To the praise of the glory of his grace, the power of God for whatever situation we're facing, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. We have been accepted in the message that we need to bring to people in the world is not get your act right because Christ is coming. It's God has already accepted you. Right now, what are you facing? What are you struggling? Guess what? Jesus is the answer. He's already accepted you. But God must be mad at me. No, you're accepted in Christ. All you have to do is walk through that door. Oh, but surely if he knows what I've done. No, he's made a way. He's made a way. This is the truth and the beauty of the gospel. A couple more scriptures here. 1 John chapter 2. Okay, we talked about this. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also... Oh, there it is! Thank you, Lord! Yes! Yes! Yes, there it is right there. The whole world. The whole world. Yes. He's the price paid in full for the whole world. I don't have to be afraid to talk to my neighbors about Jesus because I'm not bringing them a message, a short-sighted message about heaven and hell. I'm bringing them the truth. Jesus is the one who's already paid for your sin. I know you think you're messed up and too messed up for God to accept you, but guess what, friend? He's already accepted you. Don't you want to walk right into that? Don't you want to step right into that and receive that? Woo! Wow! Yes, that's the gospel. That is the gospel. God has made a way legally. See, God is not a man that he should lie. And we know this. We know this. God is not a man that he should lie. And God said to Adam, in the day that you eat of the tree, in dying you will die. Physically and spiritually. God, because he's God, as Pastor John has taught us really well, could not overturn that. Because whatever God says is true. But God, knowing what he said, already having a way to fix the problem, gave Christ so that we could be redeemed. Yes, our punishment was hell. Yes, you are absolutely right. Our, what we actually deserve from the judgment seat is damnation. We actually deserve to be separated from God. But it's like this. You have something for your child. It's a gift that you've given them. And it's just sitting there. I know some people on Christmas time, they'll they'll, they'll put the Christmas gifts out weeks beforehand. And man, that is just torture. Why do you do that to your kids? Don't do that. My parents never did that. We always love the beauty of, oh, look at everything. This is great, you know. But but it's it's like that child who has the gifts out long before Christmas comes. And then Christmas comes and goes, and they never unwrap the package. God's gift to the world is Jesus. The package was the manger and the cross. Are we going to unwrap the package? 
are we going to take the free gift of salvation? I know you don't deserve it. You know I don't deserve it. Everybody knows the world doesn't deserve it. But we haven't gotten any one of us what we deserve. Let's bring the gospel of Jesus to the people who are hurting. Let's bring the truth of God's word that heaven has come to earth, that Jesus heals, restores, recovers, and delivers, and that you are accepted in Christ. See, once people begin to realize that, the power of the Holy Spirit begins to work on the inside. This is where religion shuts down. Because religion will say, now that you've accepted and received that, now you've got to start doing A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And then once you get to Z, oh man, you have arrived and you are like a full vested Christian. No, in the moment that you receive Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. And by renewing your mind to the truth of his word, not that you need to get out from under all the sins that you're committing and God needs to... No, the moment you begin to renew your mind to who you actually are in the spirit the power of the Spirit begins to take over and you begin to live in the freedom that you were always destined for, that you were always created for. That is the truth and the power of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the truth that you have brought to us, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us Oh, I'm so grateful that I didn't get what I deserved. I'm so grateful that you loved me enough to completely bankrupt heaven and pay the ultimate purchase price for my sin. And as we just read, Lord, not only for my sin and not only for the sin of the people in church, but for the sin of the entire world. Lord, I pray that this word that we've discovered together today wouldn't just fall on our ears and go into our heart and be like, that was great and rest in our mind. But literally, it would take root in our heart. It would begin to spring up and our minds would begin to be renewed to who you are. And we would take this true message of Jesus out to the world who is lost and hurting. We thank you for that today in Jesus' name. Before we.